0: Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exists to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. How you guys doing? You are right, Man, glad you're with us today. As we kick off this series, I think, Everyone's familiar with the whole concept of famous last words. We're, we're kind of drawn in when we hear somebody's last words, because last words are a big deal. I mean, that what someone would say, what would be on their mind when they exit this place into eternity, it, it's kind of a big deal. And You know some of those words uh, are powerful throughout history that maybe groups of people cling to in certain times in history like I think one of those uh, uh, famous last words were spoken by Todd Beamer Todd Beamer said these words okay let's roll and he he said those words when he was on United Flight 93 on 9-11, when Todd and other passengers and some of the crew made the decision to charge the cockpit to try to regain control of a flight that the terrorists were going to take down. And those words... They, they galvanized the nation, right? They, I mean, they, they, they're words that they summarize the American spirit in the midst of a national tragedy. And, you know, then there's the ones like we saw in the Roland, in uh, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, his said to be last words were, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. <laughs> when I read those, I'm like, that's kind of sad. I mean, knowing who he was, like he was like the the greatest, uh, uh, you know, artist of all time. He he painted the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper, and and he said that. And I'm thinking, you know, I I don't know how he died, but I just felt like he needed a hug. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, are you kidding? To to get to the end of your life and feel like you were not good enough, and you know, those those are those are words, and there's a lot of them you hear, and I've read so many this week. But I found a list of the uh, the not so famous last words as well. Uh, and uh, not so famous last words were, "I know it's thirty thousand volts, but I'm wearing rubber soles," right? <laughs> or or. Uh, oh, that's such a cute cub. I wonder where the mother bear is. You know, some of those last words that you don't hear about much or, you know, like, you know, hey, I heard gators aren't that fast on land. Don't worry about it. But, you know, all these last words that, you know, hopefully your last words or my last words will have a little more meaning to them. And, uh, but yet in this series, we're going to look at Jesus' last words, as we move toward Resurrection Day and Easter, his last words as he hung on a cross. And the you know the interesting thing about Jesus' last words is that you know most last words are about an ending, but Jesus' last words were actually about a beginning. And really, his last words really weren't his last words, right? But what he said before. He died on a cross. And um, <clears throat> I want to, if you got your uh, Bible app, you can open up. If you have your Bible, we're going to open up and look at the very first one today in uh, Luke 23, verse 32 to 34. And uh, it'll also be up here on the screens. As scripture says, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. Talking about Jesus. And when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I mean, when, it, when I read that, and you're thinking about the Roman soldiers that just crucified him, do you, do you really think they didn't know what they were doing? I mean, they, they knew to a certain extent. They knew... They knew they were, I mean, they were crucifying criminals. And uh, I mean, they knew what they were doing because they did it regularly and they were proficient at it and they were highly skilled and trained and barbaric. They knew how to crucify, but they didn't know the enormity of who they were crucifying. And, and, you know, when he said, forgive them, do you ever wonder like, forgive them? Who's, them? Who's them? Who was he talking to, referring to? Well, them would probably be them, his disciples who abandoned him as he went to the cross. Or maybe it was Judas who betrayed him and sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Or, or maybe it was uh, the high priest who tried him or Herod who mocked him or the Roman soldiers themselves who drove the spikes into his hands and feet. Or you and me, whose sin ultimately is what he went to that cross for. See, a lot of times we think, "Well, yeah, forgive them." It's something that the the cross was like two thousand years ago. No, it, it's still paying the price for our sin today, right here in this room. That, and you know, so. But he said, "Forgive them." It's like this from cover to cover, when you look through the scriptures, you, you're going to find the, the challenge to forgive. It's like forgiveness is like the guts of the gospel. It's, it's taught throughout scripture, how we're to forgive. And you know, the the interesting thing about forgiveness, forgiveness doesn't come natural for any of us. None of us are born forgivers. You're just not, let me prove it to you. Uh, Maybe you had parents like mine that when my brother and I got into a knockdown drag out, my mom would grab both of us, by the shirt, bring us in, shit us down. And she'd look at me and she'd say, okay, tell your brother you're sorry. How many of you had a parent that did that? You, I mean, you're, how many of your parent as a parent, you have done that. Okay. they like, say you know, and, and you know what you said. I looked at my brother and I said, "You're sorry, <laughs> right? Y'all did that, right?" And then there was no, and, and he, I'm sorry. You, you didn't mean it. You're only doing it because they made you do it, right? Because because none of us are natural. None of us are. That doesn't come natural. That's something we have to learn. Forgiveness is learned, and. You know why? Because when someone hurts you, you want to hurt them back. Because you, you think when, when someone hurts you, someone should pay the price. That's justice, right? And that's why forgiveness is so hard. And yet, when you You and I, when we, everyone in here, we struggle with forgiveness. We have two options when somebody hurts us with their words or their actions, whether it was intentional, unintentional. We have two options. First option, get even. That's the normal go-to, isn't it? You know, somebody needs to pay for what happened. I need to even the score. I see. We like forgiveness, but we really struggle with forgiving. We, we like grace, but we want justice and revenge. I mean, when someone wrongs us, we want to get even. It just feels like the right thing. And, you know, through, through the years, uh, when I've had people talk to me about how they're struggling with a person and what somebody did to them in their past, and, and uh, I, I, I normally... we'll we'll just kind of pull them aside and say, you know, well, what I want you to do, why don't you practice this? Start praying for that person. And usually the response is, what? No, no, they need it. No, I said, no, just pray for them. Because here's the thing, it's really hard to be mad at somebody when you're praying for them. And, And there was one guy, uh, uh, early on at the Springs that he came to Christ at the Springs and, and he walked in and he had gone through a really messy divorce prior. And I mean, and he was talking to me one day and, and just raw and said, you know, I hate my ex wife. I just hate her. And you know what she's done and how she keeps trying to do. And, and I gave him the advice. I said, well, listen, not you go ahead and pray for her and he looked at me, he said, okay, I'll try. And after a couple weeks, uh, he walked up to me and said, Hey, listen, I've been praying for my ex-wife and <clears throat> it's not working. <laughs> and, and I said, well, what are you praying for? He says, I'm just praying that she will get exactly what's coming to her. <laughs> he chose option one, right? Somebody needs to pay, you know. But the second option... Was forgive them. And it's like, that's, that's the Jesus option. You, you forgive them. And we, we misunderstand what forgiveness really is, but yet Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray in Matthew, in Matthew 6, he, and he was teaching what we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer, listen to the words. He said, pray like this, guys, our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. What he was saying is, Father, let us forgive people the way you forgive us. You know what forgiveness is, right? I mean, forgiveness is literally releasing somebody who has hurt you, letting them go. And it's that when we were little boys and grew up in New York and we lived with these woods behind our house. So we always had a lot of animals in the yard. And my brother and I got up and early one morning decided we want to catch a chipmunk. And so we, we had those in the yard. So we, I, we got a box and I, I, I took this box and put it outside the, the side door of our house and I put a stick and propped the box up and I tied a string to the stick and I put food underneath the box and I ran the string inside our screen door and my brother and I crouched down and we watched that box and we saw a chipmunk come in. And when that chipmunk walked in the box, we, we just looked at each other, we couldn't believe it. We yanked that string, that box dropped, and that chipmunk went crazy. Bouncing around inside the box, you know, trying to get out, and, and so I, I panicked. I opened the door and I ran outside in my pajamas and it was cold and I, I sat on the box. And I just stood there and I yelled to my brother, go wake up mom and dad, tell them we caught a chipmunk. <laughs> and, And so, I mean, I'm just trying to keep that chipmunk in, and I didn't want it to get away. And my mom comes stumbling out the door, and she said, Ronnie, what are you doing? I said, we caught a chipmunk. And she asked the the big question, what are you going to do with it? I said, I don't know. We caught him, though. She said, let him go. she said, no way. I'm not going to let him go. She said, let him go. And, and i never forget, I mean, what I felt because, of, oh, well, okay. And I lifted that box and that chipmunk took off running. And you know, so many of you, you have a box of unforgiveness that you are sitting on and you're just holding that person in until they pay the price what are you going to do with it? If you want to really feel forgiveness, you got to let the chipmunk go. You got to release it. You got to let it run. I mean, that, that's forgiveness is, is so much about you and not them. And that's where we mess up forgiveness. We think forgiveness is, okay, I don't want to forgive them. They don't deserve to be forgiven. You're right. They probably don't, but neither do you. And when we get this perspective right, you know, so many times we let people from our past live in our present and destroy our future. You, you gotta let them go. Forgiveness is releasing them. You know, because we typically, the, the way we hold on and don't release, when it comes to forgiveness, we will either, when people hurt us, we will either repeat it or we'll release it. We repeat it over and over again in our minds. And you know what I mean. Someone's hurt you. You can't get that thought out of your mind and you keep running that over and you wake up with it and you, and you're, you just keep, or you're going to repeat it, telling it to other people. Can you believe what they did? And, I, and every time you do, it grows. Or you can just release it. Hey, you got to let it go. See, forgiveness is really twofold. If you jot down notes, you get this. It's, forgiveness is first, it's a decision. Decide to release or cancel the debt that someone owes you. You, you have to make a choice because forgiveness is a choice. It, first and foremost, it's that, that you know what? I, you might be sitting there going, well, I, I don't feel like it yet. I mean, I'm just not there. I can't. Listen, if you wait until you feel like it, you will never forgive them. Because feelings follow actions. Actions don't follow feelings. You know, it's, a, it's easier to act your way into a feeling than feel your way into an action. You 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 don't you just make the choice I'm going to forgive. I made the choice. And you know, cuz think about it. You Do you think Jesus, when he hung on a cross, when he had the spikes through his legs and his hands, and his back was ripped open from the whip, and he slammed him against a hard wooden cross, and he was suffocating, trying to catch his breath and dying, do you think he felt forgiving? No. There's no way. Looking down at the Roman soldiers that had done this to him, and the people that, that mocking him at his feet. No, he made the choice to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Now, and when when Jesus was teaching his disciples uh, after the Lord's prayer, he unpacked a couple verses uh, on forgiveness. He said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Uh Uh-oh. What are you going to do with that? That's like, what? I mean, what? what is that? Let that truth sink in. What he's saying is that an unforgiving heart is unforgivable. He's saying you cannot receive what you're not willing to give. Forgiveness is this two way street. You can't expect somebody to forgive you when you're not forgiving. I mean, it's that when, when you are unforgiving, you're burning the very bridge that you need to walk across. The bridge of forgiveness. Because God says, you're going to need forgiveness in the future. And I need to learn how to be forgiving. And, you know, and, and even over and over again, uh, Matthew 18, Peter comes and, you know, and he's the one listening to all these teachings. So he's he's got the question. Peter came to him and, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And he thought he was being over-the-top gracious because law required you to forgive three times. So he was doubling it and giving a bonus and going, you know, I get, I'm sure this is the godly answer, seven times. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Or some translations say 77. Uh, It's And it wasn't about a number. Jesus was saying, Peter, stop counting. It's infinity. It's for as long as it takes. It's until you let it go. It's you, you have to forgive that person until the desire to get even goes away. And listen, as I'm saying this, I feel the heaviness because I know I know some of you say, you know what, you don't understand. You don't know what they did. And you know, I don't. And I am so sorry for your pain. But you have to realize that forgiveness is about you, not them. It, you, can, it, you can either choose to to get healthy or get even. But you can't have both. And, and, you know, because forgiveness is a lifestyle for Christ followers. I mean, you see that in in the New Testament letters. In uh, Ephesians, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.32, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has already forgiven you. Here's the big takeaway about forgiveness. You will never have to forgive anybody more than you have already been forgiven. I mean, that's, God's forgiven you. I mean, let that that one just kind of float, think through all that, that you have done, that you've been forgiven. And then Colossians 3.13, it goes on and says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. He says, make allowance. In other words, plan for people to disappoint you and hurt you. Make allowances for them, give them some extra grace. And, and you know, and I, I, think, I think it's harder the deeper the pain but but let me let me put a qualifier let me help you understand what forgiveness is not cuz some people say well forgive and forget oh well no that that's not what i mean see it, forgiveness is not first of all it's not denial it's not saying you know what really wasn't that bad it wasn't that big a deal no it was a big deal that's why it hurts okay so it you it, it's not about minimizing the seriousness of the offense and it, it's forgiveness is not restoring trust. It's it's not the same thing as trust. I mean, a lot of people misunderstand this and they think, well, they're the same thing. And so when I forgive them, then everything comes back the way it was. No way. When trust has been breached and broken, it does not go back the same way. See, forgiveness is something you do and building trust is something they do. Forgiveness is given, but trust is earned. And then the the, uh, the last one is that forgiveness is not a one-time event. You don't forgive and then that's it. No, you're going to have to practice reckless forgiveness in your life. Just forgiving over and over and over again. I mean, think about it. so many times I've had conversations with people through the years that, that somebody hurt them in their past and and they've struggled with forgiving that person. And as the Springs has grown, what has happened multiple times is that the person that offended them or hurt them shows up at the Springs and they see them here and they're like, I can't go to church there anymore. I can't stand the sight of that person. And I, when, when I... Think about that. I think, you know, no, no, you don't understand. Unforgiveness is like letting somebody uh, live rent free in your mind and in your heart. They they just stay there. You got to release them. You got to evict the squatters. They're sitting in your life and your mind. And here's the thing: what I've noticed that. People, when somebody's hurt you and you see them and it builds it again in your heart and mind, here's the deal. They're fine. They've moved on with their lives. But you wake up with it. You know why? Because you haven't released them. You've got to release them for you, not for them. You've got to move forward. And, and you say, well, how do I start? What does that look like? Let me give you a couple practicals. First one, I said this earlier, pray for them. Pray for them. I mean, let that be, put it to prayer. Because it's it's really hard to be mad at somebody that you're praying for. And pray for them regularly. Don't do it a one-time deal. It's a a daily rhythm. You're praying for them. And Matthew 5.43 says, You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And it's not a, it's not a prayer that they get what's coming to them, prayer. All right? You, you pray for them. And, and, and you know, that, because here's the thing about prayer. My prayer for others may not change them, but it will always change me. And that's what prayer is. It's bringing my heart in alignment with God and his word and his plan for my life. So you pray for them, but you don't stop there. Then scripture says you bless them. And bless, by definition, bless is speaking well of somebody. You speak well of them. It's, I mean, because Romans, we looked at Romans 12 last week, but Romans 12 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Who? getting hard now, isn't it? God, I, you're asking God to bless them? I mean, you, you, how am I going to do that? Some of you right now, you're thinking of somebody and you're saying, mm, not going there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't, can't get there. And, but, but here's the thing. The this is a progression. You're praying for them. You're asking God to bless them. And, and then it also says you're to do good for them. Take action and do good for them. It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, it's, it, it, this, this progression it's, I mean, do you, do you see what's happening? Remember I said, forgiveness is a decision. And then you bring into alignment your emotion, your heart, your actions. That's what this is. It's like you know. Okay, first I'm praying for them. Then I'm speaking well of them. I'm asking God to bless them. And then I'm going to do something good for them. I'm bringing this. I, I'm bringing this into alignment. I am making a decision to forgive, and I'm bringing my heart into alignment with that through my actions. And in Luke six twenty seven says. But to you who are unwilling to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And uh, actually, when Paul listed some of these things in Romans 12, uh, I, I love the way he put it. You know, He said you know, to do good for people that hurt you. It's like, this doesn't feel good. But then at the end, as uh, Paul said, uh, in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. So that's your comforting verse, right? But, you know, because it's going to confuse them. It's like, what? How how would, you know, you're, you're releasing them from hurting you anymore. You know, and one of the last things that Jesus said on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why he said that? Because it was in that moment, scripture said that he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, the sinless son of God, he made him who knew no sin to become sin. Because he took on him the sin of the world. In that moment, All of the sin, not just of the people in that time, but throughout all history was placed on his shoulders on a cross and God who is holy couldn't even look at his own son and he turned his back on him. Jesus died alone for you and for me because he said, this is the price that has to be paid. And, you know, I mean, when, when you think about that moment, and I, I know for, for some of you, when uh, w- what I'm telling you is the heaviness of that moment is, it, God says, you're forgiven. The cross was the payment. You are forgiven. You've been forgiven so much. And, you know, some of you, we're talking about forgiving other people. I know the reality you're having a hard time forgiving yourself for what you've done and what you said and what you didn't do. And you, man, I get that. I so get that. I mean, you rehearse those things. They wake you up in the middle of the night. You go to sleep with them, things that you wish you had not done, that you wish you could have get a do-over of a season of your life. And how can you ever call yourself a Christ follower? I get that. But you gotta understand, you God has forgiven you. You just need to forgive yourself. That's where life starts. And when Jesus said, "Forgive them," it was for you and me. And you got to decide, boy. What am I going to do with what happened on the cross? You got to appropriate that forgiveness to your heart. You get forgiveness and you get forgiveness for your past to give you a, a, a future and a life to the fullest today. Man, what a God. And you can you begin that relationship right now today, right where you're sitting. Let's go to the Father in prayer. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, if that's your desire to say, God, I, I need the forgiveness that Jesus brought on a cross for me. I need a, a fresh start. I need a new beginning. You could tell them that. Maybe you never started that relationship and you never knew how much you mattered to God. He died for you because you are valuable, you are loved, you matter. And today you could begin that relationship with Him right here. You could just tell Him that. You could pray this prayer, not out loud, but between you and God, right where you're sitting, you can say, dear father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross to pay for my sin. Thank you for that forgiveness. And today, Jesus, I ask you to be the leader and the savior of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Now teach me how to be forgiving. And I ask and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.